0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi and I am your host. And man, we we have a short show today. Um, as you know, uh, a, a typical Christmas season, uh, the kids are are wrapping school up, which means they're in middle school now. So it means that they're getting all of their. Uh, final assignments done it's just really busy at my house right now Uh, my wife and I are preparing for Christmas Uh, we have family members coming in in a week there's just there's a lot going on Um, (laughs) and none of it is fun uh, I'll be honest with you all of it is work. It doesn't even feel like the Christmas season. I'm sure everybody with kids has felt this at one time or another, and hopefully in a few weeks it'll just kind of slow down and start to feel more like Christmas. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point of this is to tell you that I have no time right now. So what I've decided to do is I'm going to release, at least this week, maybe next week too, little mini episodes throughout the week as I have time to put them together. So normally what I'll do is I'll sit down, and I'll write a very long episode, well, 20 to 30 minute episode, but that takes, that takes a lot of time to do, uh, to get that all done. And in this instance, I was like, I have an hour to write this episode and whatever I write in an hour, that's what we're doing. And so yeah, so we have some EV news, a wee bit of EV news for you today. So let's start it off with Rivian. Rivian is now officially offering leases with the R1T, not the R1S yet, or at least I didn't see the R1S on their lease page. Leases will start off at $815 a month. To get that, you're looking at a 36-month lease. You're going to put $6,710 down. That's a do-it siding. But it does qualify for the $7,500 EV tax credit if you lease. If you buy the R1T, the base model of the R1T, that is $3,750. So leasing, you get a little bit better of a deal in terms of the tax credit. All right, let's move on to Fisker. By the way, I saw another Fisker the other day. Um, different fisker from the first one that i saw it was a different color so yeah very exciting it was driving we, we 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 passed each other i didn't get a chance to to take a picture of it but it was sitting across the light from me and i was like oh is that a fisker and when we passed through the intersection i was like that is a fisker and i got really excited uh for no reason at all it's just a stupid car but for whatever reason it was exciting to me um We all know that Fisker is having some issues delivering vehicles. I mean, not in my zip code, but in other zip codes. Reuters is reporting that Fisker has decided to reduce December production, which will help them unlock $300 million in working capital. Now, this might not make sense to some, but I think if if I had to parse why Fisker is doing this... Right now, they have a stockpile of cars that they can't deliver, or they're having a hard time delivering. Uh, continuing to produce vehicles at a modest rate for some, or even a low rate for some automakers, uh, while not being able to actually deliver cars, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because Fisker is paying for those vehicles to be produced. But at the end of the day, Fisker doesn't get a check until the owner takes delivery of the vehicle. So if they have 900 or a thousand cars sitting out there not being delivered, uh, they're going to take a hit on that because they have to um, they have to pay when when the cars are delivered or when the cars are built. So this makes sense. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to keep the doors open. $300 million is a good chunk of change, but it's not that much money in terms of uh, the auto manufacturing industry. So um, I'm, I'm really hoping that this is something that helps Fisker keep its doors open. It, it does make sense that you want your deliveries and your production to kind of match uh, we don't want to be keeping inventory on hand or in storage. I am also not a smarty pants business person. So if you disagree with me and you have a good reason why, or, a, or just a complete nonsense reason why, please email me bodie, B O D I E, at 918digital.com. We have some good news for Neo sales are up 33.1%. And on top of that, Neo and Geely are partnering together on battery swap stations. If you didn't know, Geely builds the Polestar, the Volvos and the Zekers. So uh, they, they build a pretty good car. Geely does. Uh, Geely and Neil will partner on a comprehensive car uh, on comprehensive cooperation on battery standards, swapping stations, and expanding expanding the battery swapping network. Did you know? I did not know this, but did you know that Geely currently operates 300 battery swap stations uh, in in China, and they have a goal of 5,000 battery swap stations by 2025. Currently, Neo has about 2,000 swap stations in China and a few in Europe. And honestly, I think the the I think battery swap stations are great. I think they're awesome. It's it's amazing technology. If you've never seen the video of a neo car driving into a neo battery swap station, and then it shows how it removes the battery and puts in a new battery, it's an amazing video. It's it's fantastic. Um, I I think having an a battery that's easily swapped out is a great benefit to you the ev owner even if they never use the battery swap station if they if they charge their car from their home charger and occasionally use a dc fast charger and they never go to a battery swap station it's still a good deal because if you ever have anything go wrong with your battery you can have it easily swapped out it's literally a five minute swap however you're you're Here's the downside is if you're, you're not paying for that battery subscription, which some uh, uh, car manufacturers in China are doing. And I think um, VinFast was planning on doing as well. But I think they asked that here in the United States because people aren't too big on paying uh, for a subscription for their battery for their car. But the, the, um, the whole point is, is you'd be able to easily swap out a bad battery pack. And it could possibly even be repaired while you're driving around on a borrowed battery pack. And it's, it's five minutes. It's probably not very cheap to do that if you're not doing the battery subscription. But it's still a benefit to you overall. So I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of this partnership. Speaking of partnerships, GM has partnered with EVgo and Flying J slash Pilot to bring DC fast charging stations to Pilot and Flying J rest stops. If you don't know what, who, or what Pilot or Flying J are, uh, they're they're just big truck stops. Uh, so. They're really big here in the United States. I don't know if they expand into Canada or Mexico, to be honest, but at least in the, on the West Coast, you can pretty much drive anywhere and hit a pilot and flying J around, along the way. Usually, they have a tasty little breakfast restaurant in them. Or they could have a Wendy's. If you get the Wendy's ones, you you, you didn't luck out. But if you get the the actual ones with a the breakfast, they're pretty good. All right. Uh, the goal is to have 500 charging stations across the, the U.S., Right now, we have 17 of the 500 up and running, and this is considered their soft launch. They have 25 more currently being planned. Uh, um, From the pictures that I saw, it looks like these are pull-through charging stations. So, you know, think of just a, a normal gas pump that you would drive up to. That's what these charging stations are, which is great if you have a trailer and you need to charge up. Or you're towing something. The downside is if you are towing something, you have now taken up two or three different chargers that no one else can use while you are charging your, um, you know, EV. That's that's towing stuff. I don't tow things. Can you tell? Can you tell that I don't tow things? I sound like an idiot. Anyway, I think this is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing more of what evgo and gm and flying j what they're going to do together honestly when we talked about this i think it was a year ago around this time it might even been a little bit further back than a year ago i gave this like less than a 20 percent 20 chance of of actually happening so i don't know if i voiced that or not but internally because i try to keep a little bit of a positive um uh, spin on the ev news but internally i was like hmm this seems like a partnership uh, in name only and nothing will ever come out of it. But I was wrong. 17 charging stations came out of this partnership. And if they get the full 500, that's great. Fantastic. I'm happy to be wrong. Moving on with some GM news. GM has confirmed that the new Chevy Bolt The the newly refreshed Chevy Bolt will launch in 2025. Now, the current Chevy Bolt is right around now, they're stopping production. I think we still have a couple more weeks for production. And then in March, they'll stop selling the current Chevy Bolt. (laughs) It's kind of been a weird coincidence, though. GM also said that their EV business would be profitable in 2025. Let's what what is happening in 2025? Can uh, let me think. Oh, the Chevy Bolt, GM's only popular EV, is relaunching in 2025. So yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that their most popular EV is coming back in 2025. While the Chevy Blazer EV, the Cadillac EVs, and the Hummer EVs, they're not exactly setting the world on fire. They're probably fine vehicles, and I'm not throwing any shade at those vehicles. In general, they're just not selling at the level that the the Chevy Bolt is. Like if you remove Tesla from the equation, the Chevy Bolt is easily the top in the top three of E.V. sold here in the United States, probably North America. And it's been a while since I've looked at the numbers, but it might be the best selling if you if you don't consider Tesla, um, so yeah uh it makes sense that their EV arm will be profitable as soon as their most popular EV comes back in a new form sorry if i'm being snarky i just said i was trying to put a positive spin on things <laughs> anyway let's go ahead and wrap the show up here uh, I'm going to try and do this again tomorrow. Maybe, maybe I'll have one tomorrow and not Thursday, or maybe I'll have one Thursday and not tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe I'll have one for the rest of this week. It kind of depends on how the news trickles in, but I do know that each day I can s- easily set aside an hour to write in about 30 or 45 minutes to record it and then post it. So two hours a day to do this. I'm not sure if I saved it all for one day, if I'd ever get it out. So... I hope this isn't a big inconvenience for everyone. I do want to give a special shout out to Bart, Jerry, Mark, and others for letting me know the audio quality on the Cybertruck episode was bad. So every now and again, when you are podcasting, it doesn't matter that you have the same setup that you have every single day and nothing has changed. For whatever reason, every now and again, you were just plagued with problems. And that is what happened with the Cybertruck episode. Like, I didn't go to bed until 2 o'clock the next morning. So, 2 o'clock Friday morning. Because I had so many problems getting that Cybertruck episode out. It was riddled with with problems, technically. I won't even go into it. But it was a pain in the butt to get... um, dialed back in to something that would be considered a, a good quality podcast or a, an okay quality or a mediocre quality podcast. We'll call it mediocre. I don't want to give myself too much credit on this. All right everybody, that is it for me this week. Or not this week. This episode, see. Um still having issues, still technical problems just my brain. All right everybody, that is it for me on this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you whenever the next time I have time to do one of these